Chapter 4 She had prepared herself for this. She had expected anger and frustration from him, she told herself. She had expected the unexpected, and had steeled herself against all the protestations he might make, all the reasons he might give for not wanting to go along with her idea. But she hadn't really expected him to leave. That's why she had brought him up here, to a place that would be almost impossible to get out of on foot. And yet, he was going. And really, she should have known he would. She stood by the rustic oak table in front of the large bay window and gazed down at the dazzling landscape stretching out to the horizon. The land seemed to tumble over itself on its way down this old mountain, rising and falling in ragged crests and gentle slopes, trees growing almost over top of each other in thick copses of tangled trunks and spiny branches. It was desolate and starkly beautiful, and as the light drizzle that had begun to fall fifteen minutes ago began to turn into ice pellets that struck the window like sharp, tiny bullets, she cast her eyes up to the darkening skies. A storm was coming, judging from the churning grey clouds that billowed angrily overhead. It had been so beautiful and sunny only an hour ago, but the weather could change quickly in the mountains, she knew. The sun would shine one minute and then be snuffed out by violent storms the next. Nature could be as savage as it was unpredictable. She felt his presence before she heard him enter the room, the way she always did, the way the very air around her seemed to change whenever he was near. She hadn't heard him come down the stairs, but nevertheless, she was aware he was standing behind her, likely just inside the dining room. She turned slowly and looked at him. I need to understand this intervention you and Nick cooked up, Eric said, standing stiffly in the doorway. His eyes shone with something she would have called pain or betrayal if it hadn't been Daniel Briggs standing there, the toughest, coldest man she had ever known. Something else blazed out from his eyes, too a keen sort of desperation, as if Eric Johansson were pleading for release, desperately hoping she would be the one to deliver him from his hell. The mixture was frightening and heartbreaking, and she involuntarily took a step towards him. It was Daniel Briggs who swiftly inhabited those beautiful eyes again, tensing so visibly that she stopped moving. Was it really about my being out of control? Or was that just an excuse to get me up here alone with you, so I'd fuck you? God, she felt sick. It was every high school rejection, every lover's quarrel, every insult from an angry boyfriend all rolled into one and magnified a thousand times. The rush of humiliation and mortification she felt stabbed at her like hot knives through her flesh. I told you the truth, she said, as steadily as she could manage. I can reverse your enhancements. And fuck me till I'm all better, right? She closed her eyes, willing herself to stay strong. Stop saying that. Why, because you love me? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? Yes. He blew out a bitter sigh. I can't believe Sullivan would do this to me. I'm gonna fucking kill him. It wasn't Nick's idea, she said quickly. Don't blame him. He brought me up here. He knows all about it. Told me I'm off the fucking team if I don't cooperate. 
It was my idea, she insisted. He crossed his arms over his chest and stared at her, his eyes so still and penetrating that she felt a shiver of real, abject fear ripple through her for the first time in the two years since she'd known him. He could be one terrifying man, and she felt almost sorry for anyone who had ever found himself on the wrong end of that icy gaze. He stared at her for a long moment, and when he finally spoke, his voice was bitter. So if I fuck you, am I free to go? She looked down, embarrassment washing over her. You're free to go any time, obviously. As for whether you sleep with me or not, that's up to you. God, she sounded pathetic. Do I have to bring him back your thong or something? Some sort of proof? She closed her eyes and turned away from him, facing the window again. When she opened her eyes, the darkening sky loomed even more ominously, and pellets of ice pinged against the glass with such ferocity she thought it would surely crack. Behind her, Eric moved slowly around the table and came to stand behind the chair to her right, gazing at her with such blazing intensity she could hardly stand to look at him. What I don't understand, he said more evenly, the taunting sarcasm mercifully gone from his voice. He was still angry, but at least his brittle, insulting tone had softened. Is that Nick, of all people, should know full well that I can find a willing woman whenever I need one. Why the hell would he strand me up here with you? He thinks you need me, she said, ignoring the flare of humiliation she felt at his words. It wasn't the entire truth, but as lies went, it was merely one of omission, and so probably didn't count. His eyebrows shot up. He does? She nodded feeling tears threaten but forcing them back. She focused instead on counting the number of aspens she could see stretching down the mountainside. Forty-one, forty-two. And obviously you think so too, he said, his voice just the slightest bit quieter. I did, she blushed, chancing a glance at him. The stone-cold expression on his face made her look away again quickly. But I don't really know anymore. Hearing her own words, she didn't know whether she actually meant them or not. He was so angry, so bitterly bewildered by this that she was losing her resolve, beginning to question her assumptions and beliefs. Maybe she had let her own feelings for him cloud her judgment. Maybe she had simply seen what she wanted to see. If his barely contained outrage was any indication, she almost certainly had. You thought I needed to fuck you, he asked disbelief, flattening his voice. You in particular. She swallowed and could only nod. And why the hell would you think that? She looked over at him, indecision tearing at her. He had never looked more intent, never more interested in what she had to say than he was right now. And even though anger colored his voice, and tension warred within each rigidly tight muscle, she knew that she had to say it, had to tell him the truth. She would likely never get the chance again. Mexico City, she said softly, much more softly than she had intended. He flinched, ever so slightly, her words taking him by surprise. After a moment, he relaxed into practiced ambivalence. What about it? You know, she said, almost pleadingly. He 
wasn't going to make her actually say it, was he? You were very upset when I got shot. Of course I was, he replied sharply. It was my op. It turned out to be a clusterfuck, and one of my team got shot. On my op. That's it? she asked, remembering rebelliously the way he had stroked her face, the way he had held her so tightly, and the words she had heard him whisper against her ear. Foreign words that he'd had no way of knowing she could understand. Don't leave me, my love. It had been a plea, a desperate, whispered cry against her ear. Her world had been reduced to a blinding, white-hot universe of pain and disorientation, anchored only by his strong arms holding her, and his whispered pleas. Stay with me, my love. I love you. I love you. The last words she'd heard before the blackness had claimed her. The angry exchange she'd drowsily overheard in the hospital days later, when Nick had accused him of being in love with her, and Eric had denied it so vehemently, had only convinced her further. The sound of his voice, so raw with pain and fear, so desperate, would resonate in her heart for the rest of her life. That's it, he shrugged. His eyes glittered, even in the fading light. You were one of my men. One of his men. Something in the casual way he threw that at her, something about the baldness of the lie spurred her on. She knew she shouldn't say it, not now that he had reacted so badly to this fiasco of an idea. But her heart was stubborn and refused to give up without trying one last time. She swallowed. After I was shot, you said something to me, she said. I remember hearing your voice, hearing your words. If she'd thought that he might have forgotten that moment, if she'd thought that perhaps it was only she who remembered that day so clearly, the darkening of his eyes told her otherwise. He remembered. He remembered everything. And he remembered exactly what he'd said to her, too. The shock of it made his face grow pale, and she saw the merest bob of his Adam's apple. Then the look was gone. The control was back. Only the slightest tension remained, like a spring only beginning to coil back. She didn't want to torture him like this, but she had to say it. She paused, her voice faltering. He ducked his head down and away, and she heard the heavy breath hissing through his pursed lips. Control, always control. He breathed for a moment, then turned a blistering glare back up at her. You speak Swedish? It wasn't a question. It was flung at her more like an accusation, a betrayal. You, Alexandra O'Neill, speak fucking Swedish? She moistened her dry lips. Not fluently, but my mother's family. She trailed off, lamely. I spent a few summers in Stockholm with my grandparents. He surged away from the chair and turned towards the window his hands fisting at his sides again as he tried to control his breathing. Anger rippled through him as he stood, just breathing, just clenching and unclenching his hands. I'm sorry I never mentioned it, Eric, 
she said quietly. I never realized it would matter. You never spoke it, and you always seemed to want to forget about that part of who you are. But I'm sorry I never told you. It just never came up. Until she had nearly died. Until he was holding her in his arms, trying to keep her alive, stanching the blood from a bullet she shouldn't have been there to take. Until he had looked down at her, and through her haze of pain and fear, she had seen his eyes wide with an equal fear, an equal pain, and felt him pull her to him, and cradle her, felt his lips graze against her ear, as the small, urgent, desperate plea escaped him, practically against his will, in a language he no longer used, one that only existed in the memory of a life he had almost entirely put behind him. She opened her mouth to say something more, but he turned quickly and grasped the back of the chair again, his eyes boring into her with renewed strength. I was upset. I don't deny that, he said sharply. Like I said, one of my team got hit. Ask any man in combat if he feels differently about it when a woman gets hit. It's not the same. But if you think you heard me say what you think you heard, well... His eyes flickered a little, but soon the ice was back. I can promise you. I said nothing of the sort. You were in shock. You nearly died from blood loss. You probably hallucinated the whole thing. Maybe, she said faintly. Definitely, he said. You're the doctor. You know better than I do what the dying can experience. She nodded. It was true. People in shock often experienced strange things, often heard voices and saw visions. But as painful as the bullet tearing through her had been, as terrifying as it had been to see and feel the blood draining out of her, she hadn't been as close to death as he had thought. Not when he'd whispered those words of love to her anyway. Of that, she, the doctor, and the woman had been absolutely certain. Now? Now doubt niggled at her. She didn't think she had merely imagined his words, his arms around her, his love. But that was all the explanation she was going to get from him. He had sorted this out for himself, and satisfied himself with his own explanation. Nothing she could say or do now would change his mind. Is that what all this is about, then? He asked suddenly, his eyes narrowing. You thought you heard me whisper something in your ear in the back of the van when you were dying? He paused for emphasis. And now uh, you think all I need to do is spend the week fucking you and everything will be all right again? If that's how you want to think of it, she said, swallowing back her discomfort. I wouldn't think of it that way. I would think of it as something two people who... She wanted to say love each other, but she knew it would be the wrong thing to say. So she settled for something he might accept. Are attracted to each other. Might want to do. Attracted to each other? You're pretty sure yourself, aren't you? He challenged her, derision shading his voice with a nasty sort of amusement. Pretty confident in your... He let his eyes wander down her body. Appeal, aren't you? I was, she said, swallowing against the dryness in her throat. Maybe I was wrong. You were. Completely. She had felt his eyes on her so often, had seen the way he looked at her when he thought he was unobserved. Those blue eyes had lingered on her breasts, had caressed them as slowly, as sensuously, 
as his hands would have if he'd ever allowed himself to touch her. She'd felt it in every heated gaze, in the way his eyes traveled over her body, with slow, restrained longing and simple male appreciation. She wasn't the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. She didn't kid herself in that regard. She was decidedly average to her own mind. But something about her shape in particular seemed to ignite him, seemed to define the indefinable for him, seemed to answer all the unspoken needs and call to all the hidden desires that he tried to keep so well disguised. Every man had his own tastes. Every man found one woman more intoxicating than any other. And with his every heavy-lidded gaze, with his every languid look, he had made her believe that she, of all people, was that one woman who enticed him more than any other. Only now, as she stood before him, watching his cold eyes scan her dispassionately, she felt a flush of humiliation surge through her at her own conceit. She knew she hadn't imagined his eyes on her all those times, but now it was clear that she had overestimated the meaning behind those looks. Maybe he looked at every woman that way. Maybe his enhancements had produced a man even more prone to looking at the female form with barely disguised desire than the average man did. And maybe it had never been about desire at all. All the times they had casually talked, the few times she had even made him laugh. Maybe all of it had been evidence of a fledgling friendship. Maybe he had been merely appreciative of someone in his life who could help him claw his way back to humanity. Maybe his words in the van, if he had even spoken them at all, were the result of friendship, not romantic love. Maybe he'd been genuinely afraid of losing her, but only in the way a friend would be. And another thought crashed through her with astonishing speed. Maybe he had truly seen her as his doctor and had trusted her let his guard down with her. And maybe she had just violated her Hippocratic oath by suggesting a sexual relationship with him. The thought made her feel sick, and she gripped the back of the chair for support. He saw her faltering, and his look softened slightly. The look in his eyes drew her back in, tempted her back into the comforting belief that had compelled her to take this chance with him. He was in there somewhere. Eric Johansson was in there, deeply hidden, refusing to emerge, and for the first time she realized that it would take much, much more than a mere offer of sex to lure him out. The trouble was she had no idea what it would take. He parted his lips to say something, and she could see remorse flitting across his eyes. She remembered only then that he had insulted her, essentially telling her that she had grossly misjudged her own attractiveness. He wanted to say something, but his own anger and humiliation was stopping him. It simmered just below his calm, controlled surface. When she hazarded a glance at the hand he rested against the back of the chair, she saw the slightest tremor there. As if he knew what she was seeing, as if it were the final breaking point, his frustration exploded from him in a sudden burst of motion that had him striding past her towards the stairs. This is such bullshit, he said bitterly as he strode from the room. I can't believe I'm even having this fucking conversation. I'm out of here. She turned to watch him take the stairs two at a time until he was out of sight. She heard the door to his room bang open. 
and she winced at the angry sounds of drawers being yanked open, of a wardrobe door slamming, of his heavy boots stomping around the room as she imagined him angrily throwing his things into his duffel. She had seen his anger, had seen the muted, silent but terrifying rage that boiled over in him when he was in the grip of that emotion. He held it in check better than most men would, she knew, but it was still like a force of nature. Ten minutes later, she heard the heavy clomp of his boots on the stairs. When he came into sight, he was dressed for the weather, having donned his camouflage field jacket over several warmer layers below. He had pulled on black cold-weather pants over his jeans and tucked the bottoms into heavier combat boots. He slung his duffel casually over his shoulder as he pulled on a pair of heavy gloves and a black watch cap. From his pocket, he withdrew a pair of polarized winter goggles and stretched them over his head, leaving them perched just above his forehead as he turned to throw her one last look. I'll call Nick to come get you when I get to town, he said simply. There was no anger in his voice, just a dispassionate sort of resignation. He was on a mission, she understood. He could focus his energy on getting through the storm and getting to civilization. It calmed him, gave him direction, gave him something to do, other than stay here and deal with her. Please don't go out in that storm, she said quietly, feeling suddenly cold and alone. It's going to be hell out there. The look he shot her couldn't have been more clear. It's better than the hell in here. He pulled a black fleece neck warmer up from beneath the collar of his coat. Stay inside, he said, his instruction bordering on an order. Keep the fire going and sleep down here if it gets much worse. Lock the doors and windows. Nick should be here tomorrow. And without another word, without so much as a backward glance, he was gone.